0: Howdy, Will. How's 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 life in New York? You're in New York right now. Yeah, yeah I am in New York. I, I'm
1: holding your city down, man. It misses you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Every time I get to New York, I sort of expect that since I've been away from New York for about a year now, that it's going to be exactly the same way it was when I left it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and here we are. And that's it, we're, we're in our conversation with our guest today, with Kelsey Patel. Um, I, I was thinking about that, too, because she, as humans, she was talking about how we... We have a really hard time, like settling and saying, "Okay, taking a beat and taking a rest." And being like, "This mm-hmm. is okay." We always want to do more. There's always more that we have to do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. It's, it's funny. So she is. She's a really cool, cool human being, Kelsey Patel. She's a certified Reiki master and meditation teacher.
1: Yeah, and we get into it today, guys. I mean, if anybody's feeling a little burnt out or a lot burnt out. We will shed some light on this topic with some practical tools anybody can do. And these are honestly all free stuff or low cost stuff that any one of us can implement in our lives to bring some calm and de-stress and kind of find some satisfaction and peace in our life.
0: She specializes in the emotional freedom technique or EFT, which I think is more commonly known as tapping and is the author of her new book coming out very soon uh, called Burning Bright. And we just read it. We loved it. And uh, great conversation. So let's yeah. jump in. So, Kelsey, can you tell us a little bit before? I mean, we're going to get into like, your history and who you are and everything and how you're able to sit in the lotus position and whatnot. But can you just tell us what Reiki is? Because I've had, personally, I've had some really, really fucking bizarre experiences with Reiki, which is, and I'm I'm kind of like, I'm like woo-woo light. I'm not super woo-woo. And Reiki is definitely of all of the the woo practices, it's the one that I have the hardest time wrapping my head, well, astrology probably more so, but Reiki is the one that I have the hardest time to actually say, well, no, I get that. But yet I've actually had some pretty amazing Reiki experiences. So tell, tell us what it is. I don't really even understand it.
2: Absolutely. Um, so Reiki is sort of by definition, a Japanese healing modality. It was discovered, and this is as we know per the history that we have mm-hmm. been able to tap into, by a Japanese monk named Dr. Ms. Mikau Usui. Um, so that's the lineage that I've learned of the Reiki healing practice. And uh-huh. essentially what we're doing, the two Reiki, let's split up the word, R-E-I, Rei, K-I, Ki, is basically talking about universal life force energy and the human life force energy that exists in our human form and our physical bodies. So the key of reiki mm-hmm. is, is that basically the same as Qi? exactly is that like
0: chi and tai chi. Okay. Yep,
2: it's basically just like moving the chi of the body or if you're taking a yoga class, it's like prana, the life force energy mm-hmm. that we connect to uh-huh. through breath and movement but in japanese heal in this Japanese healing modality, instead of using needles like they would use in acupuncture or the asanas of yoga or breath work, we're using the palm chakras of our hands to tap into that universal energy and bring it to bring balance and harmony to the chi of the physical body. Does that make sense? So, what does the yeah. typical
1: session? Uh, for people that haven't had it, like, what does a, a Reiki session look like?
2: Yeah, so it's different for everybody. The way that I learned was, you, I talked to a client for a little while, mm-hmm. and kind of the essence of peeling back the layers of the onion, the more that they talk about like, oh, I'm so unhappy at work. And then when we start to peel back the layers, we get into the stinkier part. Mm -hmm. And it could be a belief system. It could be some old patterns or things that they've carried through their family, through things that they've adapted to, through fear. And then I typically do um, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. It's also known as tapping. So I'll do Mm -hmm. some tapping with the person for about 10 to 15 minutes. Minutes? after we've chatted so that I can help get their ego and their mind out of the Mm -hmm. way. And then I lay them down on the table and do about 25 minutes of Reiki on them. So I've found in my personal practice, that's the best way for people to really receive the Reiki rather than somebody who's just come in from a busy day, a chaotic, perhaps a chaotic relationship, something that they have going on, or just this constant state of stress and anxiety that they Mm -hmm. might operate in. If we do the EFT, mm-hmm. we can break through some of those um some of those experiences and those overwhelm mm-hmm. moments and then they're really open to receive the Reiki.
1: Like what do you think of the I don't know, like the blowback that some of us get in the alternative health space, we're like, okay, this is woo woo, or this is craziness, like how you're misleading people. And um, we all kind of get those that negativity on social media sometimes. What would you say to, to someone that is a skeptic in that way, or a cynic?
2: To be honest, I was that. So that's usually where I start with is I grew up in North Dakota. I grew up in a very traditional Irish Catholic family. Yeah, and
1: you talk about that in the book. Yeah,
2: yeah. I grew up with a mother who really suffered with bipolarity and depression. Um, There was a lot of functional alcoholism, (laughs) not only in Mm -hmm. my family, but in people that I saw around me. And I had a lot of that, for me, emotions manifested into physical pain and I worked in, on Capitol Hill in the United States Senate in D.C. And then I worked for a big Fortune 500 company. So every part of me was a non-believer in terms of like woo-woo and wellness. Even meditation seemed sort of ridiculous to me. So mm. I came to these practices as a non-believer. So that's one is I completely get it and I respect people's boundaries and what they're ready to tap into what they're ready to maybe start to uncover. And if they don't want to, I mean the Reiki and any of these practices, any of the work that you guys do that I do that any of us that are seeking these alternative ways to tap into our ability to thrive. Mm -hmm. I really don't push it because to me, If someone's not ready to receive it, they're just not fucking ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can't force it. And so I wasn't ready for so long. And I suffered deeply because of it. I had Advil every day. I drank wine. I was completely overwhelmed and exhausted and anxious, and I thought I was doing everything right. Wow.
1: Did you see the op-ed in the New York Times? It was about goop and alternative health. I thought it was so brilliantly written. Basically, it was saying, I think a lot of the the, the writer of this was saying, and I agree, that a lot of this blowback that alternative health gets comes from this sort of patriarchal thing, where they're the, basically the new... Uh, religious elite that burned people at the stake, but no, now it's not religion. Now it's science. Uh, but they, the op-ed said that you know science also is the group that told people to the uh, moms to not breastfeed, to have formula, uh, and what was once you know all the crazy things and uh, that science once said was the way to go. And now, you know, what do you think of that? Have you read the piece?
2: Um, so I scanned it briefly. I think you know, yeah, I. I think we are at a really amazing time. I'm so grateful that whatever Mm -hmm. I did to reincarnate (laughs) at this time um, is really exciting to me because I. The only example I can give is that I was on a reality TV show. Many people watch it. I'd never watched it. It's called Vanderpump Rules, and I was doing Reiki on one of their main characters, and it happened to be through a friend of mine, and I. And the blowback that I got was so unexpected. I was like leading a retreat in Bali and so blissed out. And all of a sudden I was getting all these like hate emails and DMs. Wow. And it was really, really overwhelming. And I I really had to do some deep soul searching at that moment. And I realized oh, this is what it looks like to be a force for change is sometimes you're gonna have to take all of those Mm -hmm. hits. And I think Goop has done an incredible job of continuing to walk the path and Mm -hmm. not caring that there are gonna be a lot of people who throw so many different things at them Mm -hmm. because they're trying to do something different. That is for the benefit of people who are ready To receive it,
1: yeah. I just actually pulled up the New York Times op-ed. I just want to quote it because I didn't do it justice. It says it's condescending to suggest that if we are interested in having agency over our bodies, if we're open to experiencing heightened sense of sense of awareness and emotion, if we are amazed by and eager to learn more about the possibilities of touch and intention and energy, which is what you do, and if we'd like to do everything within our power to stay out of doctors' offices, we are somehow privileged morons who deserve an intellectual read patriarchal beat down. Mm-hmm. It said mm-hmm. openness mm-hmm. to intuitive measures that might help us avoid or ameliorate chronic despair and disease does not make us flat earthers.
2: Oh, I love that so love that. much. And it's true, like, I mean, it's hilarious to me that there are people out there that think that we're trying to preach something. Mm-hmm. I'm literally walking out in the world being like, I was a non-believer and this shit changed my life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not intentionally, the life of everyone around me. It wasn't, I was never doing it to heal or support or help the other people around me. I was just in deep need and deep pain, and I was doing it for me, and the ripple effect was that it happened to also be supportive to all the people that I love.
1: Yeah, so what, I mean, you're talking about this, you mentioned being in Washington and working for the Fortune 500 business. How did you come to Reiki? What was your transformation? What was your experience?
2: So I was, um, I had decided that I needed a big life change. And I kept thinking like, oh, from DC, if I moved to LA, and then there I was in a Fortune 500 company, just equally burnt out, equally exhausted, equally Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. So then I decided I had started taking these fitness classes, and I decided that I would be an entrepreneur and open up these studios. Well, I didn't realize that being an entrepreneur is a whole new host of stress and anxiety. So that was not a new solution. So I started to seek alternative healing modalities just because my back pain and my anxiety was so overwhelming that it it made me question how long I wanted to keep living. Mm. If my pain was gonna be this bad, like on an airplane with my now husband going someplace fabulous and my head in the seat in front just sobbing, tears streaming, because the pain was so bad. Yeah. Um, so I start. I mean, I would have done anything to help alleviate the pain. And I had had this wellness event and a woman was a Reiki master. And my friend who's an esthetician said, hey, do you want my Reiki master to come in and do Reiki? And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but sure. So she comes in and she's hovering her hands around people's head. And in my mind, I think this is total bullshit. And then afterwards, as a thank you, she said, you know, I'd love to gift you a Reiki session. And I said, sure, because I love free shit. (laughs) And so I went. And Mm. I had... I didn't understand it, kind of like you were saying, Seamus, before. I didn't Mm -hmm. really understand it. But all I knew was that I felt really peaceful and I felt a sense of calm and relief that I wasn't... I knew that I hadn't found anywhere else. So I started going back once a week. And she was doing tapping and she was doing Reiki. And then I decided to learn Reiki level one with her just so I had this healing tool in my toolkit. And that became Reiki level two, which became Reiki level three, which became Reiki master teacher, I never ever started the journey because I thought I can't wait to have my own private practice, or I can't wait to teach other people. It was just this slow growth. And I think after I saw how much it transformed my life, I was like, fuck, mm-hmm. I have to do this mm-hmm. now because I saw what I went through and how this has supported me.
1: Mm. Could I, I could maybe tell a little a story between uh, that something happened between you and I. And she- Seamus was there too. We were all in this beautiful resort in the middle of the desert in Arizona. And you saw me and you were like, you're a little burnt out. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, or, we were having dinner. And your book's all about healing burnout. And I think that a lot of people listening can really resonate with various degrees of burnout. Um, But Mm -hmm. I mean, what and I I was up up against a book deadline and all this other stuff, crazy stuff on top of seeing patients. So can you tell me, tell the people about what you saw in me and how that kind of translates to what you're talking about in the book and burnout?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, inherently, I believe that all of us really do have a deep, innate desire to help others and to help the world, whether or not you're in fashion, or if you're a parent, or if you're um, in the wellness world, or if whatever your function is, if you're a financial consultant, Mm -hmm. I do believe that inherently, and that's part of our connectivity as human beings, that we all have a desire to help or to share with the world something that feels really important to us. And when I saw you that day and we sat down and I was just like, Oh, Will, the light was just like, and you have so much love and you have so much passion and you have so much light. I know that you, and I saw you that day and I was like, oh, brother, the light is just so dim (laughs) behind your eyes. I just did
1: just come off of a flight from Pittsburgh too. (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely. That was part of it. But you're right. You you said your Reiki magic was, saw it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It was just more like, I just saw that you were burning the candlestick at both ends. Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way. And a lot of us do that and have done that. And there are certain times where just everything is happening all at once and you are going to feel more tired. You are going to probably need to give more than you have, but to me it's this idea that rather than spending those 15 extra minutes responding to all of the emails or whatever it may be, that you turn off your electronics, go inward, and maybe lay down for 15 minutes with your hands on your heart and just releasing what you don't need, trusting yourself, allowing yourself to really expand your your energy field through connection to God, source, whatever you want to call it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and you teach us in the book how to heal from burnout. And, you know, maybe it's maybe people can understand this, but for people that aren't aware of what burnout looks like, what does burnout look like?
2: So it's obviously going to be different for everyone because each of us has a story of why we Mm. burn out, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that is that we believe somehow we have to give all of ourselves in order to X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. To Mm -hmm. me, burnout looks like not feeling a sense of fullness, on a more consistent basis. It could look like not sleeping, not because you don't have the time to sleep, but because your mind is racing or because anxiety or something else is fueling that inertia to keep you awake and not resting. It looks like somebody who suffers from either health ailments as you, and I'm sure as you both know in all the things that you do and all the people you've talked to, um, it can also just look like a deep sense of dissatisfaction, like nothing is ever enough. You have to keep going, keep pushing, keep striving. And all of that is, I believe, a part of our human nature. We all do want to create and want to output and contribute in some unique way. But the idea that you have to suffer In order to do it is what really the book is trying to help and support people in, is to learn how to get off of your own mouse wheel Mm -hmm. and really find a joy in the energy of peacefulness inside, of grace, of living a life that's easy and being able to accomplish everything you want to.
1: What are some of the tools that you're teaching of how we can implement it in our life to bring that sense of peace and grace in our life?
2: Absolutely. So it's as simple as how you wake up in the morning. And I'm sure every person that's listening to this has heard of a morning practice or a morning Mm -hmm. ritual. And But the idea is there's a reason you keep hearing something like that, because if you're waking up right away and checking your phone and feeling this energy of like, how, who do I have to respond to? What's needed from me? Who do I have to give to right away? There's no way that you're going to feel you're walking out into the world with a sense of fullness. Mm -hmm. and. It could be as simple as setting an intention before you walk into a meeting, before you walk into a dinner, before whatever it is that you're showing up and giving your energy to in the world. Filling yourself up first is one of the great – and it's so simple, Well, It can take like five seconds to do this, but it's about – tuning inward to meet yourself in your own needs and your own desires before you turn up to give out to others. Mm -hmm. Um, It's practices like yoga nidra, which is basically sleep meditation, adding Mm -hmm. that into, even if it's a once a week practice to restore Mm -hmm. and give the body a sense of deep rest. It's, I talk in the book as well about functional medicine, that if you don't, have if you have not had your blood work done and not just this the typical blood work done your anxiety and your sense of restlessness might not be so much of an emotional or a spiritual or mental experience it could be a body a physical need that is being communicated to you but it's because of some type of level that could very easily be corrected mm-hmm. so it goes through everything it's broken down into mind, body, and spirit. And part of that is community as well, Mm -hmm. is the relationships that we have in our life and looking to know the feeling of being supported. Because if you feel supported, you really then can walk out into the world with a sense of fullness.
1: Mm -hmm. And you talk about uh, that EFT technique and how you do that with clients privately. And you also mention it in the book. People are probably wondering what EFT what, is. Yeah, what
0: is. What is tapping? I mean, yes. I've heard people talk about tapping before, but I don't really understand it.
2: It's amazing. So it's EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. So it is basically you are using your own body. And I teach you actually in the book how to do it on yourself and the whole, um, uh, basically the whole breakdown so people can start to use it as a real modality. Um, I'll be driving in my car and L.A. and if I feel anxiety, I'll actually be tapping on myself during a car ride. Um, and the idea is you're using your hand to tap on different—we'll call them acupressure points on the body where you have a bunch of nerves that come together. So. As you tap on these different places on the body, you're disrupting cycles and patterns. And as you're doing it, you're speaking through the feeling that you're having. So it could be you get really triggered by something or someone. It could be um, it could be at the airport waiting for a plane and everything gets delayed and your whole day gets thrown off. It's really that's going to be even though I feel so annoyed and frustrated. And depleted right now, I deeply and profoundly trust the timing of my life. But it can relate to any part of you and the relationships that you have. It could be the relationship you have with money, to work, to health, anything. And it's really there to help open up, essentially, all of these just stored programs and patterns and belief systems so that you can welcome something new.
1: So is it... um it's on acupressure points, or does it specifically? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a very specific way mm-hmm. of tapping onto different parts of the body.
1: Got it. I, I, I was listening on the um, the main Goop podcast because apparently I'm very on brand. Well, on Goop, I was listening to Elise <laughs> talk about uh, Goop stuff. But the Elise was talking to an acupuncturist, it looked, talking about the research in acupuncture in the in the scientific literature. And what I what I heard from her was that the acupressure or the acupuncture points, the meridians, are what research is finding is that they're basically remnants of the primitive nervous system, which as coming from a more of a functional medicine perspective, I never knew that. Like they're actually looking at the way that babies are growing as fetuses and our early primitive um, nervous system are these nodes. And as we age, we have we have this. As we grow, we get this more sophisticated nervous system. Um, pretty cool. So EFT is kind of tapping into, no pun intended, there into this sort of primitive nervous system.
2: Yeah, and I would even say, you know, as you are both aware, what I think we have not even scratched the surface of what science will discover in even the next Mm -hmm. 20, 50, 100 years about our energy systems and how we store traumas and we Mm -hmm. store all of these things that have either happened to us or through things like epigenetics, even the energies that we hold as a species and also then through our family lineages. So Mm -hmm. as a woman, every woman who's ever walked in a dark alley by herself and sees a group of men walking down the alley there is an instinct that is experienced in the body from a fear-based like protection mm-hmm. very very intuitive very very instinctual and I think things like EFT and all of the different discoveries even mm-hmm. the new um, Goop Lab series yeah. on Netflix it's so exciting to me to see how all of these different things are showcasing people who are really challenging the belief systems of what we have known so far in science.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is that is that like is that like generational trauma? You think that. That, that have, the, the reaction that a woman may have when she's walking through an alleyway and sees a group of men, is that where that comes from?
2: That's So I want to preface with I am not a scientist, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that is sort of from an emotional and spiritual energetics. Yeah, we're tapping into that. It could be for those that connect with past life traumas. It could be something like if you have to get up and speak in front of a work group and you have utter gut-wrenching fear come in and it's not because you've ever had a bad experience speaking before. Those are things that, again, I just don't think that science and all of what we're going to learn about the energetics of our incredible human bodies that are with a soul, mm-hmm. we have not even tapped into how much there is to still learn and mm-hmm. and digest and also to really get into. I mean, if you start to look at, if you can measure the energy frequencies from a human being's heart, that to me is saying how much are we connecting with different energy that is around us all the time, let alone the energy that we've been given through our mother, our father, our lineages. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was actually going to say that on the the Goop Lab that they, they're sparking this conversation around uh, the en- energy field, at least in one episode, they're sparking this conversation about en- energy field around the body. Again, not something that I understand from a functional medicine standpoint, but it's such an integral part to Reiki, isn't it? So, can you explain that? How like what, what they're saying of like the energy field comes off the body if to a certain degree. And you can quantify that to some degree. And that's obviously impacting people's well-being and how they feel. But I don't understand it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't understand it. Can you shed some light on that?
2: Yeah. So most people are familiar with the seven main chakras, right? Yeah. So if you've walked by any yoga studio or a store that sells crystals or you know <laughs> things from different countries, you'll have seen a depiction of these seven chakras. They have a color, they have a sound vibration related to them. So, in this essence of connecting with these energy meridians, the chakras in the body, it's telling us that we hold energy in certain parts of our body. And anyone who's experienced grief, experienced um, mental overwhelm, experienced programming from, say, a parent who's had some type of a neuroses, Any of those experiences are going to be felt in the physical body, right? If somebody's nervous, they might say, oh, my stomach is just a wreck. I'm so nervous. So that's actually connected to your chakra, Mm. right? That's Mm -hmm. not a physical, oh, I ate something and I might have food poisoning. That's a completely different energetic experience, right? Mm -hmm. And it happens as well from the mind. So even in one of the Goop Lab, um, I forget his name, the gentleman who takes everybody out into the freezing cold. Oh,
1: Wim Hof. (laughs) Yeah, Wim Wim Hof. So
2: again, he's playing with the energetics of the mind and the mental stories and the mental energy, right? Mm. Going into how you're experiencing something. So- each of us is carrying different energy throughout our chakras. There's many chakras in the body, which is why in Reiki we use the palm chakras. We connect to all the all many different chakras beyond just the classic seven that we're all aware of. But I would encourage everybody if you really want to know this while we may not have science or any anything that can prove quote unquote that these exist. If anyone was to close their eyes right now and take some nice deep breaths and then start to connect with each one of these chakras, just become aware of the energy of your root, then your stomach, the solar plexus, which is right around the rib cage, your heart, your throat, your third eye going into the mind, and then the crown, which is just a few inches above the center of the head – if you were to do that, and you were really able to breathe into each of those areas, you would know very quickly which one of your chakras is feeling an energetic block or just not as open as the others. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So that's something that you could you would probably recommend for people to do to kind of check in with themselves.
2: Absolutely. And I think we all intuitively know. I mean, any practice like Reiki or meditation, or even in functional medicine. So many of the practices that are out there, or, I mean, you and I have talked about this many times of how stress absolutely impacts the physical health of the body, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: How do you quantify stress? Yeah. How do you measure it? You see
1: the ripple effect of it, but you're right, you can't quantify it directly.
2: It's the same with the energetics of our emotional, our mental, our spiritual bodies, right? So to me, we all, all of these practices are not... Anybody who's ever seen me knows I'm not trying to have people com- keep coming in for sessions. In fact, I like mm-hmm. don't want it. I have too many other things going on. I know that about you. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm trying to help teach people stuff so that they can become their own healer. They mm-hmm. can start to go inward and recognize what's going on in their body and then meet themselves in that moment and that experience, I have no desire to make people feel or believe that the answers they seek and the health that they seek is outside of themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we actually, that's interesting because the studies around it, and you and I have talked about it is trauma and people's past, like the energy they are holding, the stress all of that sort of toxic emotional stuff and how that's linked to triggering autoimmune problems and how many mm-hmm. people out there, men, women, anybody out there, we're seeing epidemic proportions of autoimmunity and we can't ignore the emotional, mental trauma stuff and its implication of that.
2: Absolutely, and I would even say, and I, I want to, to preface what I'm about to say with a deep, deep um, love and compassion I would even say to people who have animals, our animals are so unconditional in their love and many people have not or may not have recognized the animal is so loving and so open that it wants to actually take on the pain, the sickness, the energy that you, the human, are carrying. And so when people Mm -hmm. come and maybe they want me to do uh, Reiki on their animals, um, I will, but then I will also talk to them about how this animal <laughs> is directly connected to your energy. So that's not like they're not passing a physical substance. It's an energetic mm-hmm. substance that's being passed and translated. And I, so I would encourage the more that a person opens up to their own energy, to their own, mm-hmm. to what you're walking out in the world with, you everything around you will start to shift. Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's crazy how many stories there are of, of dogs or dolphins identifying cancer in people or being yep. aware, changing in their behavior when someone's ill. And we, I think any of us who've lived with, with with pets before understand that the intuition that animals have is very different from what we as humans have. I mean, we we may have it too, but we've kind of clouded that through through thousands and thousands of years of of so-called logic and reason. And I mean, I, I grew up with horses. I grew up on a farm. Oh, I love horses, and it was amazing how horses. The, I mean, horses are really incredible. You know, they can obviously sense uh, changes in barometric pressure and and things that we don't necessarily pick up on. But there's just this in, this intuition that animals have that that we don't seem to have. And I'm wondering if that's some of what happens in Reiki because I my I have this. As I said, I'm, I was kind of a skeptic, and I think most of my skepticism came from my first experience with Reiki, which is when I was in high school. Um, a friend of mine's mother was a Reiki practitioner, and she she'd like she called it giving light, and she'd give light to the car when the car wasn't running properly, and <laughs> to the dog, and all of this stuff. And I was like, this I can't seems... say I
2: haven't done that before. <laughs> yeah. Right,
0: okay. Well, that was all kind of weird to me. But then I had an experience um, two years ago where, or actually maybe it was a year ago, where um, I had a Reiki session, which was probably the first one that I really had resonated with me, and I I didn't really notice anything in the session. However, after the session, the practitioner said, you know, I'm, I'm not really a medium, but sometimes when I'm when I'm doing a session, I'll, I'll see things. I, I saw a guy with really bright red hair, and he was wandering in the woods, and he just kept saying he wanted you to know that he's okay, he's okay. And I literally broke down crying because a good friend of mine, and the practitioner didn't know this at all, um, but two years prior to the day had committed suicide in the woods and that was literally, I mean, he had shocking orange red hair and, uh, and he was very, you know, he had been, he'd suffered from bipolarity and was really, had been very depressed for a long time. And it was just so bizarre to me and that floored me that she picked up on that. Wow. And I'm wondering if if that's is that something common that you actually see things when you're when you're practicing Reiki on somebody?
2: Yeah. So one thing I would say, that's incredible, Seamus. Like, wow, wow, wow. And I mean, I've had similar things happen to me where I might be with a client and then all of a sudden at the end of the session, I'll say, you know, I don't know why, but I kept getting this image of one of them, it was so weird to me. It was like a a pink rabbit in a picture frame and the woman started mm-hmm. sobbing because she's like, oh my God, that was the picture in my grandma's house and my grandma passed and I felt such a voice and she's been like just weird stuff. And I think most practitioners do have that connection. And what I will share is when, when I, so I teach Reiki as well. And in the Reiki level one certification, well, in all of them, There is what's called the attunement ceremony, and that's really the the part of why you go and get a Reiki certification training is for this attunement. And what the attunement is really doing is helping to remove any blockages, any parts of you that have been disconnected or almost... um, something mercurial, this energy of what parts of you have created blockages to your direct connection to source. And that's what an attunement is really doing for anyone who does Reiki is opening up the frequencies so that you can clear out sort of the debris and the the traumas and the stories and the fears of whatever you were you anything you were taught, anything you learned or picked up throughout your life Mm -hmm. so that you can have that direct connection back to source. Mm -hmm. And I would say as well, every single one of us has Reiki inside of us, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? So every person, which is why... I teach it in the book to people to learn how to do Reiki on themselves so that they don't have to pay for a several hundred dollar certification, that they can really recognize and understand that you have this direct connection yourself, Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of showing up to be willing to tap into it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Seamus's example and the example that you mentioned, you know, with the picture frame, we must be on some level... Holding that in our body, some somewhere, I, I read a book mm-hmm. actually. It's it says, it's called "The Body Keeps the Score," right. and it's kind of what we're saying here. It's like all this stuff from our past uh, we hold on to. We can't quantify it in science now, but it's how do you explain that?
2: You know, I'm telling you, I think we have just begun to scratch the surface of what science is going to discover in terms of just energetics, the metaphysics Mm -hmm. of life. I just think we are so um, primal (laughs) still in our understanding of our complexity and our divinity as human beings. Um, Again, I certainly was raised in a traditional religion, and I love going into churches, and I still love prayer and, and all of that. But I think there's such a deeper wisdom that each of us carries in our knowing, our Mm -hmm. knowingness of, of who we really are and what we came here for and why we came here. And I think the more that people give themselves permission to like, stop the doing race, stop the productivity, or even this idea that you're meant to be productive 365 days a year. You know, mm-hmm. to me, we really need to take a nod from nature and recognize that there are different seasons and different cycles for a very intentional reason. Yeah, You know, like the fact anybody who thinks that I've got to have a Monday through Friday, like, and be as productive as I was this week, as I was the week before, as I was 40 weeks ago, is Mm -hmm. fucking insane to me, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Like hustle and grind. Anytime I see that on social media, I'm like, no! Rest and repair. But
1: we don't even know how to do that. It's like even in our days off, we're like busy-minded.
2: That's what I mean. It's the cycle. And until you break the cycle and until you challenge your ego's belief system of what it means to be human and what it means to live your life and what it means to be a contributing member of society, until you challenge those belief systems, you're never going to break out of that behavior. And everything will feel and I'm. Sound, I, I, this is going to sound dramatic, but to some degree, it's true because of what I've seen with people and myself. You're never going to be satisfied. There will always be more to do. There will always be more to achieve, more to create, more mm-hmm. to more to produce. And I really want to support people in challenging that
1: mm-hmm. because,
2: to me, ease and grace and joy usually come in a lot more simple. Ways of living than what the twenty twenty human mind tells us,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we're so incredibly disconnected from nature, yeah. and from our own place in nature because we live in these these very constructed artificial environments that it makes it very hard for us. nature, I think nature gives us a reminder that it's easier to take a break and and take a pause and 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 rest and recover. Because there's a natural cycle to it to, to nature. But when we get out of it and we're we're you know living in concrete structures where we have very little physical contact with with the earth, we don't really see these dynamic, beautiful color spectrums of, of and seasonal change that are around us. We forget, and yet we and we have all of these other these artificial um, distractions around us that are constantly telling us that we need to do more, that we need to have more, that we yes. need to accomplish more, that we haven't done enough. It makes it really difficult to it makes burnout a a, a real a scenario for most of us on a daily basis.
2: And I you're so right. And I what I really the thing that I'm the most passionate about is that I believe when i was working in the senate and then when i worked for that big fortune 500 company and i had a six-figure salary and i was like status on the airlines and just all this stuff i had hmm. all of the things that i thought were going to bring me a deep sense of satisfaction and the truth is i was i was so un Fulfilled and I was unhappy, but I didn't know it. And I think that's what I'm now with the book and with my podcast, Magic Vibes. Like, that's what I'm the most passionate about now is teaching people how to tune in so that you can at least make a fair assessment of how are you really, (laughs) you know, like not Mm -hmm. how are you on paper, how are you on social media, how are you to your family and to people who love you, like what they think about you. No how are you really? And to peel back the layers and get a little get a little raw and get a little vulnerable with yourself mm-hmm. of how you are. Because the truth is, it's actually not, it's not as scary to start to let go of the things that just aren't in service to your joy and to your health. It's what's usually the scariest part for people is even just like, going inward in the first place Mm -hmm. which is why they run around and do everything else but like sit down and sit with self and i know it because that was what my story was and basically the thousands of people i've ever worked with
1: yeah wow kelsey thanks so much for being on the show
2: you guys are the best thank you for having me
0: All right, thanks for joining our conversation with Kelsey Battelle. I loved um, the idea that we all have Reiki in us, that we don't necessarily need to go and spend a ton of money to go to a a Reiki practitioner uh, or to get certified, but yet we're all sort of intuitively full of this light energy and we just have to learn how to tap into it
1: yeah i I really feel like i think health and wellness and the alternative health space gets a lot of judgment but like she's bringing just practical things and if it works for you if it brings you peace it brings you calm Mm -hmm. it improves your quality of life how could you be against that this is good stuff and like you said we're kind of reconnecting with with nature and the stillness of life that i think we're so divorced from in, in many ways
0: absolutely If you want to find out more about Kelsey Patel, you can go to her website. It's kelseyjpatel.com. That's K-E-L-S-E-Y, the letter J, P-A-T-E-L.com. And make sure you grab a copy of her new book, Burning Bright, which is available now. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us. So just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about
1: men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And
0: I love to talk about food and cooking. And well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook.
1: As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, guys, now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. This is from Rob. Who is your favorite Goop staffer? Seamus? Uh,
0: well, that's easy. Um, there's a woman who works in the Goop office named Connie, who's incredible. And Connie <laughs> is responsible for... She clean, does cleans the kitchen. She helps out, you know, tidying up around the office. And this woman... And she's faced a lot of adversity in her life, and yet she is always smiling, always in a good mood, always so incredibly generous with her time. She's just really just one of those people that she's a joy to be around and mm-hmm. and and on top of it, you know, she's silently she volunteers at her daughter is uh, has I, I don't I think she wouldn't mind me mentioning this, but her daughter um has been treated for brain cancer for a long time, and so she volunteers at a children's hospital. and she does it very quietly, and nobody would have known that that until it came out recently that she was doing this, we raised a ton of money for her for for the children's hospital. Um, but she doesn't she's not out there looking for someone to tell her how wonderful she is. and she's just very, yeah. um I don't know she's I it's it's um, it's really inspiring to see her uh, her kind heart shine through and everything that she does. So she's she's probably my favorite Goop staffer.
1: That's awesome. I don't I don't get to spend as much at Goop HQ as you do, uh, being you know here on the East Coast. But I want to meet Connie now.
0: Yeah, she's great. You love
1: her. I was gonna. I mean, I don't know Connie, but the people that I. I interact with the most would be Elise, Kiki, and Justine. So I have to give them a shout out because they are amazing and I I love all three of them.
0: That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review
1: the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.